Amen. Hey, that's right. We're in our once again study called World Religions, Cults, and the Occult. We are in Scientology. What was the tagline? It is what? Science fiction occult. And that's exactly what's going on there. And we got that because by way of looking at history for eight weeks, how many weeks? Eight weeks. That's right. Who's counting? I am. Eight weeks been taking a look. Where did this stuff come from, man? And it is a new religion, right? Uh, history, we took a look at it. It came from a guy named L. Ron Hubbard, L.R.H., they call him, or the source. And he got uh, hooked up with Crowley and Parsons, in other words, the occult. So the basis of it, the first three weeks we saw, this thing is deeply embedded in the occult. Then we saw he wrote a work called Dianetics. And that's where he get a lot of his ideas there and uh, mixed in there. And then he had it all taken away, so he did a couple things. He changed the the name. He changed it to Scientology. He created a religion. They, they wore clerical collars. And it was his way of grabbing control. And speaking of grabbing control, he was never going to lose this money-making machine again. So he developed his own military force. And that's what is still in function today with their Guardian's Office, the Rehabilitation uh, uh, Project Force, or the RPF, and the Sea Org, which is their elite uh, uh, folks there as well. Then, of course, he passed away. But before he passed away, this is where we're at today with modern Scientology, there was a hostile takeover with David Miscavige. In fact, he began to take over before L. Ron Hubbard uh, passed away. And then he became basically the new face, very abusive. And if you didn't do what he said, they, he, he sent you to the hole, which they said doesn't exist, but it exists. That's a lie. Uh, the hole. And then we left off last time, if you recall, uh, he's also responsible not just for abusive behavior, sending people to basically the gulag, the hole, okay, but they disappear. They can't find him, including his wife who they still have not found to this day after many, many years. And some people saying, well, that's because some of these people end up dead. Uh, and as we left off last time, remember that uh, hotel in Florida, that Scientology hotel in Florida? Don't check in there. Why? You ain't checking out. Okay, it's not a good place to be, okay? Now, finally, we made it to the workbook. Give it up for Pastor Tom. I'm sure he's been praying and fasting, going to those conferences with meals included for fasting. Oh, there you go. That's right. Because we are in the workbook. Woo! Finally, we made it nine weeks. Who's counting? Once again, I am. Let's take it from the top. We got a ways to go tonight, if I can get there. Because you got to find out the history according to Scientology. Wow. Uh, it's pretty wild. But let's take a look. The history... Uh, of Scientology, just kind of way of recap in the workbook. Scientology was founded in 1954. Science fiction author, right? Guy was good at telling stories, and we're going to see one if I get that far tonight. Whoa. Uh, Lafayette Ronald Hubbard, or L. Ron Hubbard for short. He was born in Nebraska in 1911. He was the youngest Boy Scout, Eagle Scout in history, uh, earning the rank at the age of 13. And in his late teens, he traveled over to Asia and was influenced by what? Eastern religion, Buddhism, Hinduism, and you're going to see that mindset with their belief in reincarnation, of course. Gee whiz, I wonder where he got it from, okay? Then, uh, after that, he was also influenced by who? Freud, secular psychology. Freud, as we saw before, uh, that man, he, he hated, uh, he, didn't, he was an atheist, he was an evolutionist, he was a cocaine addict, uh, he was addicted to nicotine, he smoked 20 cigars a day, which eventually killed him. Carl Jung, uh, who, uh, by the way, who Freud refused to be psychoanalyzed by Carl Jung. Hmm, that's interesting, that's another thing. Uh, but Carl Jung, remember we saw before, uh, his uh, background, he was involved in spiritism and seances and the occult, and he had Admitted that his ideas came from these spirits that talked to him, okay, and demonic, okay. So, so, so that's boy, that's not good. So here's Hubbard. His background is Eastern mysticism, Buddhism, Hinduism, and these atheistic guys, uh, anti-God, involved in the occult. But that's even worse because we saw before he also got involved in the occult heavily here with Crowley and with Parsons, okay. So that's his background. And so out of that background, guess what? He produced a book. 
right? 1950, we saw Dianetics, the modern science of what? Notice the phrase there, mental health. That sounds like psychology, doesn't it? Right? Part of the influence coming out. That he formulated his novel with, quote, psychological theories. Now, if you want to, I have it in my notes, not just once, but two lines under the section that it says psycho. Okay, <laughs> psychological. I'm telling you, wait till we get to the story. I don't know if you fast forwarded. Don't do it now. Don't do it now. Of the, <laughs> the basis for Scientology, but whoo, it's, it's pretty wild. Okay, now, the, and I, I hesitate to use this word. I'm going to deliberately skip over it because I don't like it. They use our word church. Right? And he did that because, remember, we saw it was his way of getting control of it again. He created a religion, Scientology, but it's not a church, folks. That's our word. So I, I'm just out of respect for God's word. I'm skipping over it. Scientology uh, is a controversial new religion developed by L. Ron Hubbard as an extension of his earlier psychological uh, theories of Dianetics. Drawing on ideas from, guess what? Buddha, uh, Buddhism, uh, Hindu religious philosophy, science fiction, because boy, he just wove that in there too. Uh, Western concepts of psychology, science, he what? Underline that word seriously, produced a religion. He produced a religion. That's what he did. He made up his own religion. The guy could tell a story. Right? And he did that with his own religion. Now, although Scientology claims its beliefs, listen to this, are not incompatible with the Christian faith. What? No, not, what? We're gonna, it's, man, it is so far off. We've already seen that. Uh, but we're going to get even deeper than that. They say an evaluation, though, when you look at Scientology, it teaches in the areas of God, man, the creation, salvation, death proves it's not so. It disagrees on everything. In fact, what we're going to see, Lord willing, a little bit tonight, but later also, you're going to see that uh, L. Ron Hubbard believed that the, our version, Christianity, God, that that was actually, uh, it's an illusion, it's a detriment, it's something bad for you. Well, then how could you sit there and say it's not incompatible with us? It's crazy, right? Based on their own words. Scientology is a powerful new religion whose teachings are, here's your first blank, give it up, don't get a hand cramp, inconsistent is your blank there. They are inconsistent with the beliefs of orthodox Christian faith. I think those are supposed to be meant to be together. Must be, uh, you know, ortho and doxin. Although dox is the shortened form for doxins, those little miniature cool dogs. But I don't think that's what he meant. But orthodox uh, Christian faith. Now, many do not use religion when describing Scientology, but instead, here's another one to underline. It's a business, and that's accurate. That is very accurate. Okay, it's a money-making scheme. Hubbard is quoted as saying, and I quote, listen, writing for a penny, a word, back in his science fiction days, early on, before he made it big, writing for a penny, a word is ridiculous. If a man really wants to make a million dollars, the best way would be to what? Start his own religion. And that's exactly what he did. Okay, through and through, right? Now, Scientology is also a strict religion, Okay, very punitive uh, against those who would try to leave behind its teachings and membership, right? They're going after you. They will threaten you. You end up in the hole. You go to the rehabilitation project force to get re-brainwashed. Or they threaten you or you disappear, right? That's some serious thing. I mean, if it was so true, just let people arrive on it on their own. If they leave, they leave, whatever, right? Truth always prevails, but why do you have to go to the such extremes? Because it's a cult, right? And, and that's what they do, right? Because they don't want the truth getting out. Oh, by the way, the truth getting out. Open your Bibles to Luke 12. Luke 12. That's kind of the theme for tonight. Luke chapter 12. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke chapter 12. Let's at least read the first five verses, right? Because you're going to see that in, in certainly this. You know, why are they so, why do they put the clamps down? Why do they threaten people? Well, they got something to hide, Right? 
But Jesus says, "Uh uh-uh, it's going to come out. Can't hide it. Can't hide it from God, right? And as we're going to see tonight, too, when we get to the point of their, uh, the history, according to Scientology, as far as where we came from and how it all happened. <laughs> uh, whew, they're trying to keep that one under wraps, too, but it's coming out, too. But let's take a look. Luke chapter 12. Here's what it says. <clears throat> now, meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered so that they were trampling on one another, Jesus began to speak first to his disciples, saying, Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. There is what? There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you've said in the dark will be heard in the daylight. And what you have whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the roofs. In fact, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. And after that, it can do no more. Including, dare I say, in our context, Scientologists. Right? They want to keep it under wraps. Don't you leave us. Don't you tell. Don't you spill the secrets what we're really up to. Don't you talk about Xenu, the cosmic overlord. We'll get to that in a second. Don't you talk about that. Right? Don't spill the beans on that. We're coming after you. We're going to threaten you. We're going to sue you. We're going to... Don't be afraid of those people. Right? Jesus said, they can, who they, hey, maybe they'll kill you, but after that, do no more. But I'll show you whom you should fear. Listen to this. Jesus speaking, fear him, God, who after killing the body has the power to throw you into hell. Ooh, don't you love Jesus when he preaches? Wow, he preaches sermons on hell. Wow. Was it popular back then? No, but it sure is needed because if there really was a place called hell, you'd think somebody would love you enough to tell you about it. Well, he did, right? But the same thing's being repeated today. But I digress. That's our theme today. Why do these guys have such big clamps? Because they're trying to keep this concealed. They don't want the cat coming out of the bag, what they really believe and what's really going on behind the scenes. But let's continue on, right? Now, it also takes to court Scientology many to conceal its secrets and to keep people from every aspect of Scientology, uh, uh, or excuse me, uh, uh, to digging in too deep into it, all right? So they're going to they're gonna do that. They're going to threaten you. That's what we saw. Their pattern behavior is intimidation. We're going to take you to court. And who did that start with? Way back here at the very beginning with L. Ron Hubbard. They're still following in his footsteps, so to speak. Now, Scientology is a religion for those with means. Right? In other words, cashola. Money. Why? Because it's a money-making adventure. That's what it is. It's a money-making scheme. It's a business religion, if you want to use those words. Right? And in order, to, in order to move up the levels, what are you going to do? You've got to pay, and you've got to pay big bucks. All right? It's extremely expensive since every aspect, how much? Every aspect of Scientology has some sort of fee associated with it. Right? Scientology has created a special thing, I'm not going to use our word, that caters to artists, politicians, leaders of industry, sports figures, and what's that, Ruth? Act. Act always is in there for some reason, but it makes sense, I think. Uh, but why? Why do they go after those people? Because what's human nature? Money, definitely, because they got cash, right? Sports figures, we all know they all just get min- minimum wage. <laughs> they got big time cash, right? But also the influence factor, I would say, right? Who does the young look up to? It'd be nice if it was uh, good moral people and uh, their, their pastor and church leaders and Christians. And... No, it's Hollywood, right? All that stuff. Sports figures, right? So, of course, you want them because people follow them. So, there's a money factor. You're right. There's also an influential factor, right? And among its adherents, among the celebrities are John Travolta, Kirstie Alley, Lisa Marie Presley. I think she's come out of it. Jason Lee, star of My Name is Earl. Now, I don't know about you, but I had no clue what that was. I looked it up because I've never seen My Name is Earl. 
because my name is not Earl. And uh, but anyway, so anyway, so once you see the guy's picture, you'll you can recognize Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes as well. But do they really go after the celebrities? Is that really their tactic? Yeah, that's one of their schemes to get people sucked in because it's it's the old thing. Well, Tom Cruise is in it. Wouldn't you like to be in it? Well, so and so sports star there in it. John Travolta. Look at him. What do you want to be a Scientology too? Right. Yes, they do. Now, again, we've seen this before, but we're going to see them admit they deliberately target Hollywood because that's their propaganda machine. That's one of their biggest propaganda machines. Because when you look at it for yourself, when you see their little pop cans, and when you see what we're going to see, Lord willing, tonight, uh, their version of how everything was created and why we have problems today, you're going to say, you've got to be kidding me. Who would ever buy into this? But if you get Hollywood influential people, people get sucked into it. And then what we're going to see too, and I, I, I can't say thus saith the Lord, but we're going to see again in this next video, when Hollywood and the elite get into this, they have to do the, I, call, I keep calling it the pop can, that's the e-meter thing, right? They get audited, right? But they get them to divulge secrets. But guess what they do? They record them. So maybe some of these Hollywood elite want to leave because you finally find out what these guys really believe and this is wacky. But you can't leave because they're going to blackmail you. But let's take a look. Do they really go after Hollywood? Yes, they do. Let's take a look. Many celebrities swear by Scientology. There's John, Juliet, Jenna, and Jason, Kirsty, Leah, and Sophia. Not the king, but his wife and daughter, Beck and Bart. Is this a book report or a witch hunt? Well, the actress doing his voice. And it is no coincidence. We were put under incredible duress, actually, to recruit celebrities. In my mission to find out if Cruz is in control or out of control, I met former Scientologist Karen Presley. She says she used to work full-time at the church's exclusive celebrity center in Hollywood. Her job, she says, recruiting the stars. Was there a list? Actually, there was. Young actors that were really um, making it in film at the time, I think, were our biggest priorities. Tom Cruise was exactly that. It was 1985 and he was filming Top Gun. He says the church helped cure him of a learning disability. And in recent years, he's out to fix the rest of us, or at least his co-workers. You know, you have to understand in Hollywood, when people need help, they call me. When they're having trouble with something, they call me. Uh, because they know that I'm the type of person that they can depend on. But could Hollywood studios depend on Cruz? Or had his private life blown up his public appeal? Our mission to learn more about him takes us into one of the most personal rituals of Scientology. Clutching these metal rods connected to this machine called an e-meter, Scientologists undergo intense spiritual counseling meant to clear their minds of past traumas and self-defeating behavior. The person drawing it out of them is called an auditor. You've audited, what, dozens of people, hundreds of people? Maybe a thousand. Bruce Hines says he spent 30 years in the church and was an auditor to the stars. He says he sat with them, drawing out their fears, secrets, past indiscretions, and he wrote everything down. When I was auditing celebrities, I would have to write daily how did it go and what was happening with this person and how are they doing. And this report would go to people very high up in the organization. They, they keep tabs on it. Are there things in those folders or secrets in there that might change one's opinion of the celebrity? Definitely. Better or worse? 
worse. Hmm. So, again, I can't prove it, but uh, you're keeping records of uh, people spilling their beans, and it goes to a higher up, and uh, what if you wanted to leave? All they'd have to do is say, really? Do you sure you want to do that? Remember what you told us here, 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 here? Yeah, interesting. But they specifically target them as well. And again, that's, I think, one of their biggest propaganda machines. Not because this makes so much sense. This is incredible. This holds up to so much scrutiny. I've got to go along with this. Uh-uh. I think it's a lot of it is this influence of who's involved and who gets snookered by it. Now, let's continue on. Let's take a look at some of their terminology, right? You heard a few of them uh, in the video there. Analytical mind is something they use. That means, uh, according to them, the conscious, rational, and problem-solving part of your mind. Oddity, as we saw in the video. That's the personal counseling using Dianetic techniques and utilizing the E-meter for reading engrams, right? Okay, as we saw, that basically was a glorified $20 ohm meter, right? Okay, and the reason why that moves is because of the pressure on your hands, and then it'll move even more so if you get moisture, which if you get nervous and start sweating, that happens, and... Wow. But anyway, so auditor. Now that's the persons we saw, that guy who spilled the beans. He was auditing, quote, putting them people through the e-meter process. Uh, that's the person who does that, the session leader, if you will. Clear. Now listen to this. This is a big thing. That's the state of a person who has completed the auditing. They've gone through all the, the pop can things with the e-meter there. that I call them there. And uh, they basically, what they believe is the person at that point, after keep spilling the beans, spilling the beans, and so writing it all down. <laughs> Spilling the beans, right? Then eventually you get, quote, liberated from all engrams and their ill effects on the mind and body. Engrams we'll see in just a second. Negative things. You're going to say, well, where did all those come from? Wait till you hear that story, right? But let, let, me, let me go into this little clear thing, right? What they mean by clear. Because this is a big thing. Don't you want to become clear? They're here to clear the planet, right? And they even actually want to go beyond. They want to clear the universe. Okay. But it clears one of the major states practitioners strive on their way up to the, what they call the bridge to total freedom, right? Uh, it's total bondage, really, is what it is. But the state of clear is reached when a person becomes free of the influence of engrams. What's an engram? Well, an engram uh, is the, quote, unwanted emotion or painful trauma not readily available to the conscious mind. So it's all these negative things latched onto you inside of you that you don't even realize is messing everything up. And wait to hear where those come from. <laughs> but anyway, so they believe that this is what causes anxiety and illnesses. It's, it's all these engrams that are stuck in our lives, right? But they say, here's the good news. If you apply the teachings of L. Ron Hubbard, his principles in Dianetics, and if you go through the pop can thing and spill out these engrams, you can become clear, Right? Now, it goes on. A sociologist, listen, a guy named Roy Wallace, he said, quote, <clears throat> being clear meant being able to do all those things which one could currently not do and to which one aspired to do so desperately. So again, if you submit to them, Ruth, you could become full potential. You are on your way to the bridge to total freedom. Nothing will hold you back because that's why things aren't working out for you. You got these engrams all inside you. Where'd they come from? I'll get to that in a second. But listen, that's right, <clears throat> and I quote, it's estimated the cost of reaching clear in Scientology is only $128,000. <laughs> that's all, what a deal, what a bargain. 128 grand, right? But see, that, that's not all. Remember, that's just supposed to be clear. Then, then you're just getting going at 128 grand. 
Scientology claims that if all individuals of the world were clear, then listen, the world would be free of drugs, war, pollution, crime, mental illness, and other ills. Really? So when these people believe it, including Tom Cruise, and they, they really believe that what they're doing and their methodologies is, is they're here. For, remember we say, when people have troubles, they come to, to me, right? Because I'm here to help clear the planet. This is what they believe. That's the reason why everything's messed up is because of these engrams. And only L. Ron Hubbard discovered the secret as to why and how to get rid of them. That's really, they believe that they're on this mission to basically save the planet by getting rid of all these engrams. But again, that's just getting clear. 128 gram, right? If you can even make it that far. And that's assuming you keep making it without having to repeat. Then after that, you have to go to the, what we saw before, what was called the OT levels, right? The OT levels or what they call the operating thetan, right? Thetan's supposed to be a spirit being like us, whatever. We'll get to that in a second. But the operating thetan levels describe the states where the ability to operate outside the body. And that becomes commonplace. So now this is basically where you go beyond clear and you go through these different OT levels, right? And the higher you get up, the more supernatural powers you can have. And they really believe they're going to get supernatural powers, right? <laughs> Hubbard describes it this way. If you can get through these OT levels, you will be completely rehabilitated. Quote, you can do everything that you should be able to do. Which includes, we saw this in the beginning, their analogy that they call, their acronym called MEST. You will be able to control MEST. MEST stands for matter, energy, space, and time. So it's clear as just beginning. Cough up the 120 grand, just deal with it, all right? Take out a second mortgage, do what you got to do. You got to get clear, right? Now, but you start cruising up these levels and become a more and more complete operating thetan, then you will be able to control MEST, matter, energy, space, and time, and control others from a distance, and, quote, create your own universe. Wow, isn't that worth that investment? <laughs> but that's what they believe, right? That you're going to gain. It's not just getting rid of your problems at a cost. And of course, we saw with these OT levels, every single one of them's got a huge cost. Okay, the money keeps flowing in, right? But that's the other bait. It's not just getting clear, right? It's now getting supernatural powers, right? And that a lot of people get sucked into that, right? You don't know Jesus Christ and it's all about self, right? And you think you're the greatest thing since sliced bread already? You're going to get sucked right into this, right? Especially if you got the money to go along with the program. Now, let's get back to that. That's clear Dianetics. Of course, that's the method developed by L. Ron Hubbard of removing these so-called engrams, okay, and their negative effects from the mind. E-meter, or the electro-psychometer, uh, it, that's that instrument we saw there, the little, I call them the pop cans uh, there, uh, to, and that's what they use in the auditing process. Ingram, now pay attention to this. That's the unconscious prenatal impressions accumulated by the soul, what they call the thetan, right? During past lives is your next blank there, past lives. Oh, well, where'd he come up with that? Well, where'd he get influenced early on? Buddhism, Hinduism. Understand the history. If you notice there's a pattern, when before we go into the teachings of each one of these cults, what do we do? Go back and study the history because when you understand the history of the person, you understand why they taught what they did why they believe what they did, because it comes a lot of times from their past experience influences, good, bad, or ugly. So they believe that, that it's uh, during your past lives that there's a mental image recorded in the reactive mind and has negative effects on a person's life. 
right? So that's what the engram is. MEST, again, that's that acronym coined from the letters matter, energy, space, and time, and composed of the physical universe and all that holds the Thetan, uh, us, our supposed spirit, uh, captive. Pre-clear, that's a person undergoing Dianetics auditing, but you're progressing towards clear. So you're not there yet. You haven't paid all your cash. You didn't make it to the top yet, at least that first part, but so you're pre-clear. Reactive mind, the part of the mind not under a person's rational, conscious control, awareness. And then finally a Thetan, that's what they call the immortal human soul or spiritual being. Uh, it is the true, they say, timeless identity of the individual, right? But they call that the Thetan, right? Now, here's where it all got messed up, according to Scientology. Are you guys ready for this? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, really, are you ready for this? I don't know if you snuck ahead and read this. But boy, wow. And I, I man, hey, he was a good science fiction writer. That's all I got to say. But listen, this is really what they really believe. And this is, this is coming out now. The media is starting to report on this, right? This is really what they believe. But they're trying to keep a lid on it, all right? So but let's take a look at this. <clears throat> According to Scientology, this is the basis for how things got messed up on the planet. Where did all these engrams come from in the first place? How things get all messed up? Well, that's right, 75 million years ago. According to evolution, that'd be about around the time, you know, the ballpark figure of the dinosaurs and all that stuff. Because we all know evolution and their dating methods are accurate. No, it's not. Uh, if you haven't had the privilege, check out our creation studies. There's only 42 weeks worth. Who's counting? I was. Uh, we did six weeks on evidence for a young creation, young earth and universe. So, so right, right out of the gates, you lied. But let's just keep going. Let's just let's enjoy the story here for a little bit. 75 million years ago, <clears throat> the galactic overlord for this sector of the galaxy was a guy named who? Xenu. Yep, this is so compatible with Christianity. This is, ex uh, you know, I'll tell you what, every, I'm excited because, dude, you read first, first verse of the Bible, Genesis 1-1. 75 million years ago, Xenu created them. And yet you say this is not incompatible with Christianity. Are you kidding me? 75 million years ago, this evil overlord, galactic overlord, a guy named Xenu, he was in charge of 76 plants. Did you know that? 76, Pastor Tom. 76. I have challenge with a wife and two kids and two dogs, but he's got 76 planets. This guy must have been incredible. Including Earth. Now, <clears throat> in case you don't know, I'm not making this up. It's right here in print. Earth at that time was not known as Earth. And I quote, it was known as Tiak. <laughs> Look at it. That's exactly how you say it. T-E-E-G-E-E-A-C-K. Can you believe that? That must have been the time that Hubbard was first getting used to an electronic typewriter and his, the finger got stuck on the E. <laughs> you, are you serious? You really believe? Yeah. Okay, whatever. Now, <clears throat> all the planets Xenu controlled were overpopulated. Oh, no. It's an overpopulation thing. And on average, of each one of these planets, they had 178 billion people. Wow. So obviously, as you all guys know about overpopulation, yeah, wink, wink, that's not even true, but anyway, uh, social problems dictated that Xenu rid his sector of the galaxy of this overpopulation problem, so he developed a plan. That's right. Now, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the latest Marvel movie that smashed all records, the Infinity Wars, right? This is, I, I, I actually, I'm curious, I didn't do the research, but I'm wondering if somebody who wrote the script didn't have some influence in Scientology, Right? Because that's the premise of that movie. That Thanos, that character, 
felt that it was duty to depopulate the universe because it was overcrowded. That's what Scientology believes. Isn't that interesting? Maybe it's a quinky dink. I don't know. Right? But that's right. Now, again, does this sound just like creation to you? Does this sound like why Jesus came to the earth on the cross? And <laughs> we're just getting started. So here's Xenia, right? He's got this overpopulation problem. He's creating all kinds of havoc. What's he going to do? How's he going to put a stop to it? Well, that's right. Zenu sent out for tax audit demands <laughs> to all these trillions of people. He sicked the IRS on them. Now, that would scare you. But listen to what he did. He was real tricky about it. Because you know when the IRS comes a knocking, you got to obey. So he did the same trick. Listen. As each one entered the audit centers for the income tax inspections, the people were seized, held down, and injected with a mixture of alcohol and glycol and frozen is your next blank. Oh. Hey, because that'll happen. You ever sit in the office with the IRS man? They start talking. Oh. Freeze it. You're scared. But, but this what happened. They injected him. They got him right here. They froze. Man, he's, this guy's a genius. Man, use the IRS and snookered these people. Now, so here's what he did. So now he's got them all frozen, right? <laughs> I'm not making this up. Does it, <laughs> this is really what. Then all 13.5 trillion of these frozen people, mm, right? They were put into spaceships, listen, that looked exactly like DC 8 airplanes. <laughs> Except that the spaceships had rocket engines instead of propellers. Now that's good because it's really hard because I don't think there's wind in space and then they, f they wouldn't. And I even checked, uh, DC-8 airplanes were made from 1958 to 1972. But these are so advanced, these beans, uh, certainly Xenu, but all they made it as far as was a DC-8 airplane. <laughs> exactly. Give me a break. Are you serious? Now, but Xenu's entire fleet of DC-8-like spaceships then flew to planet Earth. Okay, remember, because he's got all these frozen, frozen aliens who got snookered at the IRS program, right? So he takes them, and listen, he dumps them in and around volcanoes in the Canary Islands and Hawaiian Islands. But that's not good enough, because what if they survive? And then they told everybody what he did with the IRS and all that stuff. So when the Xenu's Air Force had finished dumping the bodies into the volcanoes, hydrogen bombs... Because we all know aliens, again, they only advance so far as the DC-8 airplanes and a hydrogen bomb. But whatever. So hydrogen bombs were dropped into the volcanoes and the frozen space aliens were vaporized. Ha 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 But see, he believes in reincarnation. What if they got away? What if they went out and, and reincarnated somewhere and, and spilled the beans of what Xenu did? Well, here's what he did. However, Xenu's plan involved setting up, listen, that's right, electronic traps in Tiaq's atmosphere I love saying that. Which were designed to, listen, trap the souls or spirits of these dead space aliens. Oh, they're not getting away, Mary. They tried, but they ain't getting away. He sucked them right up, man. Right, I'll tell you what. Now, when the 3.5 trillion spirits were being, and they're dead space aliens, by the way, uh, were being blown around on these nuclear winds, the electronic traps worked like a charm and captured all the souls in the electronic sticky flypaper like traps. <laughs> Do you wonder why they're trying to keep this section away from the public eye? We're not even done. Now, the spirit of these aliens, though, stuck in these traps, frozen, 3.5 trillion of them, right? Who got snookered by this IRS program from this guy who felt it was his duty to get rid of them. They were taken to huge <laughs> multiplex cinemas. <laughs> it just keeps getting better. 
Multiplex cinemas. Can you believe that? So he's got them stuck in these flight traps, suction things, right? And then he forces them to go to the movies. He said, well, how do he do that? Well, listen to that. He, he thought about this. He had a plan. Zenu had a plan. And he had previously instructed his forces to build on Tigiak, okay, all these multiplex cinemas. Because right? he, he knew that they were going to try to get away. So he's going to well, okay, why do you force them to go to the movies? What's up with that? Well, watch this. This is a genius. In these movie theaters, the spirits had to spend many days watching special 3D movies. Now, here's the purpose. It wasn't just to get him to buy popcorn so he could make cash on that. No, 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 right? It's, you, you ever watch that? They always got the guys, popcorn, it's time for your popcorn. And the hot dog comes out. Well, uh, okay, I think it was more than that. <laughs> it was twofold, Ruth. Listen. One, as they're in these movieplex theaters all over, what's the name of the planet? Tiak, right? Okay, not Earth. Okay, uh, it was to, quote, implant into these spirits. What are these spirits? These are dead space aliens. Into these spirits, a false reality. A false reality. And that's the reality that wogs, you know what a wog is? That's us. You and I, a non-Scientologist, is considered a wog, right? And that these dead space aliens, they're going to implant that false reality, okay, into us. Okay, now, number two, to control these spirits for all eternity so that they can never cause trouble for Xenu in this sector of the galaxy. So they're brainwashed, man. They don't even know what's going on. Even if they escape, they don't know what he did. ha, 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 ha. That sounds like an evil overlord, doesn't it? All right, let's move on. Right, so aha. Now, during these films, here's how it works. It's a brainwashing procedure, right? Many false pictures and stories were implanted into these spirits, dead space aliens, which resulted in the spirits, dead space aliens, believing in all the things that control mankind on earth today, including what? Religion. But uh, apparently his religion's okay. A little, little duplicity there. But let's move on. Now, the concept of religion including what? What's the first two? God and Christ, Jesus Christ. Whoa, whoa, wait a second. But you're, we are not incompatible with Christianity. What? Your whole basis denies us, as well as Muhammad, Moses, and Ruth. Et, that's right. We're all implanted false realities that to this very minute are used to control wogs, you and I, on earth. What? So what did he just say? That he denies everything we believe in. He says that what you and I believe in are a false reality implanted into us from these dead space aliens. And yet, perfectly compatible. Let's move on. Now, when the films ended, because they did end, in case you're wondering, the souls left the cinema. And here's what happened. They, start, they started to stick together in clusters of a few thousand. And they remained that way until mankind began to inhabit the earth. It was stick together. Was, I don't know. Have you guys ever been to the movie theater? Especially the ones that don't have the carpet. Dude, you, it's like... Maybe I'm reading too much into it. But I'm sure that's why they got, they got stuck. Oh, oh, ah, but anyway, so they stuck together after they left the movie theater in these clusters. And then, according, he's got an evolutionary mindset. Mankind began to evolve. Uh-oh, look out. Oh, can you believe this? Here's where it all got messed up. Today on earth, all the spirits of these dead space aliens have attached themselves, right? That's your blank there, attached themselves to our bodies and are the root cause of all the false reality that all but the Scientology's homo novus or the OTAs on earth experience. So turn to somebody and go, get that dead space alien off. Oh! So that's where these engrams come from, from dead space aliens attached to our bodies. Can you believe that? who were stuck together in clusters because people keep spilling their coke. It's like, come on, clean it up. 
I don't know, whatever. The, but they're stuck there. Now, it's the job of all Scientologists to remove this false reality from the world by auditing each and every space alien spirit and human on earth and the entire universe to clear. What a mission. Yeah. And you'll be happy to know justice was served. Zenu didn't get away with it. Watch this. The loyal officers of the Markab Confederation finally discovered how evil Zenu was and overthrew him. And he's now locked away in a mountain in one of the planets and kept by a force field powered by an eternal battery. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't win. But we got to clean up his mess. And we got to scrape all these dead space aliens off of you and I. Wavs. Get them off. Get them off. So if you hold these two pop cans on this ohm meter and spill all the beans and give us 128 grand, you're halfway there. <laughs> now you're thinking, come on. Do they really believe that? Yeah, <laughs> I'm a little nervous going to the movies now. So. But you're sitting there going, and of course I had fun with that. And I don't know how you read through that without kind of joking. And I don't mean that in disrespect, but this is really what they believe. Yes. So, so here's my thought. Do you really believe this? You, okay, so I'm going to share with you a, a, a combination of two videos I put together. I hope you appreciate the work. I did it for you because I love you. <laughs> We're going to see a, a video that uh, South Park, there's that cartoon South Park, which I do not recommend. I don't think I've ever watched any of the whole episode. People always throw little bits and pieces on YouTube or whatever. Okay, I don't recommend the show. But they did a whole show apparently on Scientology. And they did get it right on this section on what they really believe. Right now, for emphasis, I got together and pieced together from another video, and you're going to see it interrupted. We're going to see a cartoon of this, what we just read, what Scientologists really believe with Xenu and Tiyak and all that stuff, okay? And the dead space aliens getting sucked up and frozen with glycol. Okay, but then I'm going to intersperse. You're going to hear L. Ron Hubbard actually say it. Because this, and you have to use a cartoon because that's the only way to put it together. So let's take a look. This is really what they believe, and this is really L. Ron Hubbard who said this. So Scientologists, you gotta own up to this. But let's take a look at that. You see, Stan, there is a reason for people feeling sad and depressed. An alien reason. It all began 75 million years ago. Back then, there was a galactic federation of planets which was ruled over by the evil Lord Zenu. And they had elected a fellow by the name of Zenu, uh, could be spelled X-E-M-U, to the supreme ruler. Zenu thought his galaxy was overpopulated. These planets averaged 178 billion human beings per planet. 178 billion. There were 250 billion on this planet. The name of this planet was Tigiak, and this is known as the bomb place, and this is the evil place. This is the place where they all got smashed. And so he rounded up countless aliens from all different planets and then had those aliens frozen. The trick was to shoot somebody, disable somebody, very often a needle into a lung, and at the same time to hit him with frozen alcohol and glycol, which preparation is guaranteed to pick up a thing. How he had to do was pick him up and put him in a refrigerator, and they had him, boy. Because he tried to exteriorize from the body, there he was, frozen. <laughs> 
The frozen alien bodies were loaded onto Xenu's galactic cruisers, which looked like DC-8s, except with rocket engines. And uh, they threw them into collection points, boxed them up in boxes, threw them into space planes, which are the exact cause, DC-8s. The DC-8 airplane is the exact copy of the space plane of that day. The cruisers then took the frozen alien bodies to our planet, Earth, and dumped them into the volcanoes of Hawaii. And they took these people in boxes and so forth, and they dumped them, and then they set off hydrogen bombs on the top of each primary volcano there is on this particular planet. The aliens were no longer frozen. They were dead. The souls of those aliens, however, lived on and all floated up towards the sky. But the evil Lord Xenu had prepared for this. Xenu didn't want their souls to return, and so he built giant soul catchers in the sky. And when they blew up, it blew the Thetans into the air, and after the bomb, an electronic ribbon, which also was a type of standing wave, was erected over the area. The tremendous winds of the planet blew every Thetan there was straight in to those particular vacuum zones which had been created. The souls were taken to a huge soul brainwashing facility, which Xenu had also built on Earth. There, the souls were forced to watch days of brainwashing material, which tricked them into believing a false reality. These were brought down, packed up, and put in front of uh, projection machines, which with sound and color pictures uh, first gave them the implant, which you know as clearing cores, and then a whole track implanted, which you know as OT2. After this, however, up about a, the remainder of the 36 days, which is the bulk of them, is taken up with a 3D super colossal motion picture, uh, which has to do with God, the devil, uh, space opera, uh, etc. They go five pictures to five words. Xenu then released the alien souls, which roamed the earth aimlessly in a fog of confusion. It goes on for about 36 days, and then these poor were let wander out. At the dawn of man, the souls finally found bodies which they could grab onto. They attached themselves to all mankind, which still to this day causes all our fears, our confusions, and our problems. Scientology is just a big fat global scam. <laughs> Turn to somebody and say, get them all, get them all, get them all. Can you believe that? Now, it took a lot of work, believe you me, uh, but uh, I, that's why I wanted to piece those together so you can say, because if you just show the cartoon, my concern was, oh, that's not really what we believe. That's, that's just, no, no, I, no, you heard Hubbard on every point, right? And there's a whole lot more you can, you can get his recordings. That's really what he taught. So, now, uh, our opening verse, uh, uh, you try to conceal it, but it's going to come out, right? So how do you think when that, just the cartoon, of course, they didn't intersperse Hubbard's words like I got in that video there. But how do you think the uh, Scientology reacted to the uh, creators of South Park when they released that? Oh, they went after them big time, right? Because what's the pattern? You say something negative, we'll just let the truth remain and, and defend us. No, are you kidding me? They're going after you. They're going to sue you. They're going to infiltrate you. They're going to dig up dirt on you. And that's exactly what they did. Watch this report. They actually sent people in to become an intern to dig up dirt on these guys. Watch this.
Marty Rathbun is a former executive with the Church of Scientology, and he uh, defected from the church back in 2004. And now, recently, he is publishing all these documents on his personal blog that indicate that the Church of Scientology was investigating the creators of South Park after they released this uh, cartoon episode called Trapped in the Closet. In that episode, they were making fun of the Church of Scientology, and they were supposedly revealing certain secrets from the Church of Scientology, right? That made the Church of Scientology extremely upset so what do they want to do they want to launch a smear campaign so they start investigating uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone's personal lives to see if they can find any dirty dirty on them let me tell you what I'm fascinated by and not fascinated by uh, I am uh, fascinated at what would smear those two guys because <laughs> what can you do to them that they haven't already done right what I'm not fascinated by is that Scientology is trying to do this kind of strike back they do it all the time. That's one of their main tools. If you ever criticize Scientology, they go rummage through your garbage and try to, you know, sometimes follow you even, try to get dirt on you to attack you. This is their uh, campaign of intimidation. Yes. And I'm glad it didn't work with South Park, of course. But they went to extreme lengths to get people to uh, infiltrate the South Park studios or Comedy Central studios. So, for instance, they found an intern. They had the intern apply uh, as for a position there. And then the intern was basically monitoring what was going on in the studio, which, first of all, I think is ridiculous. That would make me so, that makes me uncomfortable. But the, but the more it was hilarious because they weren't able to find any relevant information. So the information consisted of, okay, we have Joe Schmo. Joe Schmo is in charge of animation. And then um, it turns out that Trey Parker drives a, a gray Altima. Like stupid information like that. <laughs> and, and they then, have three printers and two copiers. Over. <laughs> <laughs> and as you mentioned, they did go through garbage, uh, mm. and they still did not manage to find anything. The only information that they managed to find was that Trey Parker and Matt Stone have celebrity friends. Oh, good job. Uh, John Stamos and Re Rebecca Romaine. And what they p planned on doing with that is trying to find a smear campaign on their celebrity friends. Th this is really sad, actually. I'm starting to feel bad for the Scientology folks. Yeah. But notice how uh, they couldn't find anything, uh, apparently, as they sent a mole into them. Again, this is nothing new. If you've been tracking with our study, that's what they do all the time. That's their modus of operandus. Uh, but what they did, the only thing they were going to do, they still weren't giving up. We know two of your celebrity friends, so we're going to go after them, right? Just to get you to shut up, right? Hey, if this is so true, why do you have to resort to that, right? Why is that your technique? Now, obviously, this is kind of, a, a kind of a funny thing, their background, this is really what they believe, but it's also, you can only imagine how embarrassing it is when it comes out, right? And it's coming out, right? Because people are getting access, people are defecting from Scientology, and they're spilling the beans of what's really going on behind the scenes, what they're really up to, and what they really believe, and what L. Ron Hubbard really taught, right? And, and, and they don't want that to come out, because again, they believe this guy was it, he reached the highest levels, he was so spiritual, he made it all the way through the OT levels that he didn't even need his body anymore. That's how they explained his death. So you can't have him come back and go, but he taught that, you know, and it, it doesn't work that way. So you're all in. So this guy's got to, you got to keep him at the top. He's a genius and all, all the facade that you built around your, your, your structure there. So, so, but anyway, it's still getting out. So when the Scientologist is confronted with this belief of Xenu and the evil galactic overlord and dead space aliens, right? How do they handle that? Well, they either flat out lie or they just flat out refuse to answer. 
I'll give you one example and we gotta close. This is a guy named Tommy Davis. Tommy Davis, amongst other positions in Scientology, uh, he was at one point the vice president of the Celebrity Center. They call it a Celebrity Center, right? That works with all the celebrities, right? And he's, uh, as far as I know, still to this day, really good friends with Tom Cruise. But he was confronted about this belief in Xenu. And look at what he did. Didn't answer it one lick. They just tried to ignore it, deny it. And, uh, but anyway, his, his response speaks volumes. Watch this. Do you believe that there were galactic emperor called Zeno who brought his people to Earth 75 million years ago and buried them in volcanoes? Okay. Do, do you believe that? Martin, I am not going to discuss the disgusting perversions of Scientology beliefs that can be found now commonly on the internet and be put in the position of talking about things for, uh, uh, that, that, talking about things that are so fundamentally offensive to Scientologists to discuss. That's well, I, I have the burden of my own journalistic responsibility mm -hmm. that I bring to this meeting and I hope that um, I've uh, been appropriately respectful of you in my asking of the questions. Well, the you haven't to the degree have. that the question that you asked me you know by virtue of the fact that it's been made very clear in other media entities that it's something that we consider offensive and it is in violation of my religious beliefs to talk about them. So just for clarification, <clears throat> just for clarification, do you personally believe I'm going to stop you. If you're going to ask me that question again and you're going to repeat things about volcanoes and this kind of thing and so on and so forth, I will stand up and walk out, Martin, because, it, because what you're doing by doing that is you are intentionally asking me things which you know I find offensive, and you're insisting on asking me of them. So I'm asking you one more time. Mr. Davis, I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm just trying to ask you a series of questions about the public faith that you have. I'm not trying to mock you. I'm trying to understand what your beliefs are. Sure. You've explained what auditing is. You've explained the growth of the church. You've done all of those things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sure. I am asking you in the context of those questions, in the context of those questions, is it true that L. Ron Hubbard said that understanding the origins of the human race as mm -hmm. described through Xenu and the intergalactic emperor, is it true that somebody would die in captivity? Wow. Notice how he danced around the whole thing, didn't answer it, refused to answer it, but uh, kind of a logical absurdity. Number one, that asking the question was a violation of your religious beliefs. We're just asking you about your religious beliefs. How's that violating? And then you can't have your cake and eat it too. You said asking you that is offensive to you, but we're just quoting what your founder said. So how's that offensive? And then at the same time, you say he's the greatest thing since sliced bread, right? But he was able to try to save face with bravado. That's it, I'm out of here. Ha, ha, ha. That's really what they believe. Now, why do they believe that? Because we're going to see, Lord willing, next time, uh, they got it wrong. And they got it wrong because they got the wrong source of authority. They don't follow the scripture. They follow a man who is a science fiction writer involved in the occult, influenced by Hinduism and Buddhism, Eastern mysticism, and secular psychology and evolution. Okay? And uh, their source of authority is wrong. And it all spills downhill from there. So now we're at that section where we're going to see their source of authority. And once you get that wrong, you get the nature of God wrong. You get the person and work of Jesus Christ wrong. You get the nature of man wrong. And you get the means of salvation wrong.
Okay, then we'll get into probably a couple studies on Hollywood and the elite and how in the world do you witness to these guys, right? So let's go ahead and pray. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get a Life Ministries, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today that you go to heaven and not hell? Now, before you answer that, let me uh, share with you a couple things that the Bible says. The Bible says that God is holy and that we are not. And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death. We don't deserve to go to heaven when we die. We deserve to go down. We deserve to go to hell. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this problem that we have, that we're separated from God not only now, but we're going to be separated from Him for all eternity in a place called hell. We, we, we don't even want to admit that. So, once again, out of love, God gives us what's called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were God's x-ray, if you will, divine x-ray to, to get us to admit the problem that we have inside that's separating us from Him. Let's take a look at a few of those of God's divine x-ray. For instance, if you think that you're worthy on your own, you don't need a Savior, uh, you're going to get to heaven all by yourself, then let's take a look at God's test there, uh, the, the Ten Commandments. The ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. Uh, how many of you have ever told a lie before? Raise your hand. Okay. Uh, if you didn't raise your hand, you just told one. But folks, we've all done that. That makes us a liar. The Ten Commandments, God's x-ray, showing us that we have sin that's separating us from Him. We're not holy and perfect like Him. The Fifth Commandment says this, you shall not steal. Don't ever once take anything without permission. How many of you have ever done that? Well, if we're not going to tell another lie, we, we should all admit that as well. Well, that makes us a thief now. The Bible says that God is so holy, uh, even His name is holy. And that's why the Ten Commandments says you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And if we're honest, again, folks, hey, a lot of us, how many of us have used the blessed name of Jesus Christ, the only name the Bible says under heaven, that men might be saved? We've now turned it into a common cuss word, if you can believe that. The Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy. The Bible also says, hey, show, you want to show God you're so perfect, you have no sin, then don't ever once commit adultery. And you might say, well, I, I've never done that, really? Jesus lays the standard before us. God looks at the heart. Man looks on the outside. Jesus said, if you ever looked with lust in your eye at another person, you've committed adultery in your heart. That's His holy standard. One more. The Bible says, okay, you think you're so good? Uh, then don't ever once commit murder. You shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, I, at least I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible again says that the sin of hatred, wishing someone was uh, dead, is akin to the sin of murder. It's just, if you will, you pull the trigger in your heart. So, so, so how are you doing? That's just five out of ten of God's divine x-ray, by the way, uh, showing us the problem. How are you doing? Not if, but when your time comes, we're all going to stand before God. You will be forced to admit what He already knows. Hey, God, let me in. Let me in. I'm a, I'm a liar. I'm a, I'm a thief. I'm a, a blasphemer, an adulterer, and a murderer. And the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. You're not headed to heaven. In that state, you're headed to hell. But here's the good news. God said if we would just admit this, number one, then He could fix it. And it gets fixed only one way, and that's through Jesus Christ. Jesus said in the book of John, chapter 14, verse 6, He says, I am the way, the life, and the truth, and nobody comes to the Father but by me. Why? Because only Jesus lived the perfect life in our place. And Jesus died on the cross. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be set free. And since we weren't there, and since it's a gift and we can't earn it, we have to receive that wonderful gift by faith. And the Bible says God will pardon us for our crimes, our sins, against Him. 
And you can actually see this analogy working uh, in the natural, in the normal world. Uh, we see this actually uh, in the courtroom. For instance, if a person is guilty and, and everybody knows they're guilty, they've committed a horrible crime and, and, and the, the sentence has passed, the judge has knocked down the gavel and says, hey, uh, you are going to jail, you are going to the death penalty for that crime. And, and we know that people, that happens all the time and they go to jail, but believe it or not, did you know there's a way for that person, even though they're guilty, to actually be set free from that crime? It's called a pardon. And the one in authority, the governor, has the part out of mercy, out of goodness, certainly nothing that that person did in jail. They can't undo the crime. It's too late. But out of mercy, the governor could go down there and grant that person in jail a full pardon for their crimes. And by receiving that pardon, the doors come open and they are set free and they're rescued from the death penalty. Folks, that's what God is doing every single day with us spiritually. He has allowed His Son, Jesus Christ, to take the death penalty in our place. He's pardoned us, but a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it. And it's actually been on historical record that there have been people on death row who a governor has gone down out of mercy and extended to them a full pardon, but they've rejected it. And by their own doing, they went to the death penalty. Folks, don't make that same mistake for all eternity. God loves you. He's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done. All of it. Even the sins we don't even know about. He wants to pardon you and forgive you, but you must receive that by faith today. The Bible says if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you call upon His name, ask Him to forgive you of all your sins, believe in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you will be saved. Please do that now. Please do that today because tomorrow may be too late. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Get a Life Ministries. Again, thank you for joining us. If there's anything that you need, if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to contact us. Our information and number and uh, things will uh, pop up here on the screen here shortly. And remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.